0: This is the Ed Milett Show.
1: Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I am so excited to share this man to my left with you today. He's one of the most inspiring human beings on the spinning earth, and we've been trying to get together for so long. And finally, God uh, permitted that to happen for the two of us here today. You all should know who he is, but if you don't, this man has spoken in front of eight and a half million people in 74 countries. He's a best-selling author, and he's a remarkable man of faith and a great human being. This is Nick Voichich, everybody. Nick, thank you for being here, brother. Fist bump. Fist bump Love man. you. Love you, man. So
0: nice to meet you. So glad to be here, it's, and hello to everyone. It's
1: finally time, and actually, we're going to be together at some speaking engagements that we're both booked at. We're going to talk about your speaking today a little bit as well, because this is one of the great speakers. He's got an anointing. Um, and an amazing story, too. And so I think we should probably start with the story of you and your birth, which you were born with Tetra Amelia Syndrome. Correct. And that was not expected. And so tell us a little bit about the birth process. I think the story with your mother is so touching and interesting. It makes me emotional when I've heard it, and mm. I want to share that story mm. um, with our audience, too. So go for it.
0: Sure, absolutely. I was actually born in Australia in 1982, And uh, my mum was actually a nurse. So she knew all about pregnancy and delivery. And she was actually in charge of the birth suite of of hospitals in Australia. But when she was pregnant with her firstborn, me, they were so excited every time they did uh, an ultrasound. Oh my gosh, they they didn't even check that I had arms and legs or not. And so when I actually was born, that's when the room went quiet. Mm -hmm. And the doctor held me low enough. So... My mom couldn't see me, but my dad saw my shoulder. Mm -hmm. And they took me away quickly. Mm -hmm. And my mom's like, what's going on? And my dad, he walks out of the room. What's going on? He says, my son, he has no arm. He -hmm. said, no, your son has no arms or legs. And we are so sorry. Mm -hmm. He will not walk. He will not go to school. And we're sorry that you did not have an opportunity to abort your child. And so um, my dad and mom, they... Consolidated they 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 obviously wept and then my dad wanted to say to the doctors I want to go see him Mm. because they wouldn't let my mom see me at that time He unwrapped me and he said he's beautiful And so I had a loving home from the day day one
1: but day one But I I think part of it. I if I'm correct me if I'm wrong Dad was warmer initially and more ready for that moment than mom was correct
0: for sure like it took her actually four months um to actually hold me and feel okay to hold me Mm. you know when you go through grief it's always about shifting and reframing your attitude to actually overcome not just facing adversities but the perspective of even seeing okay how do i stay optimistic how do i give hope a chance Mm. in this tragedy and so my mom we all had you know 24 first cousins around us and Mm. everyone's like don't worry we're here for you they had a great support around them Mm. But my mom did have her days where she's like, This is a nightmare. Mm. I can't do this. How mm. can I get through this? What, what happened? Why me? Why him? And mm. so we all go through those grief and questions when tragedy hits. Wow. So, speaking of the attitude
1: and adversity, the combination of those two things, I have to imagine growing up that there had to be a few moments where not everything was rosy for you. <laughs> um, and so, just what was it like for you growing up? Did you, were you, ridiculed, bullied? Did you end up going to school? What, what ended up being the situation?
0: Right. So for the people who cannot see me right now right. Uh, on audio version, I have a little left foot, which is about yes. six inches uh, appendage on the, on the bottom left, and I'm able to walk. And, and they didn't know if I could walk, type, and now I swim, golf, fish, and, oh. and now I can type 53 words a minute on a normal computer. And Do you really? Yeah, oh, you so also surf surf come on yeah yeah, dude i love it man. i love the beach Uh, we grew up near beaches all the time in australia but really it was um, a miracle where my mom felt convicted um with that attitude shift of okay wait a second my son who has no limbs the government says he's not allowed to go to school so she had a choice but her attitude is no maybe one of the reasons if only one reason was that my son was born this way to actually challenge the government system to say, tell me why my limbless boy can't go to the mainstream school. They went to the courts and they changed the law. They should've, good. And so it was cool where that adversity was then embraced to then bring at least one other thing. But um, when I went to school, I was the only one who looked like me. And I felt like I was the only one in the world that was like me. And it was, wonderful when I'm at home and with my brothers and sisters and Mm. I had a couple good friends at school, but for the most part, most kids made me feel uncomfortable and asked me questions and Mm. I really started thinking about my life. Um, I would be forced to just sit and think about life while I can't do everything that everyone's doing. I'm thinking, wait a second, the teachers who's standing next to me, they're here employed. My mom and dad are employed. Mm. What am I going to be? What if I'm not employed? And so at ages six, seven, eight, oh. I started asking the bigger questions. I can't do everything. I can do some, but man, am I ever going to get married? Am I going to be bullied for the rest of my life? Hmm. And so these fears started creeping in for sure. What about your self-esteem? Oh, it, like? it was very high highs and very low lows. It felt like I went through seasons. Hmm. It was really dependent, though, on who I was with. And what I found, though, gradually over ages 8 to 12 through my years of depression, that actually bottomed out at a, an attempted suicide at age 10. Wow. I realized that I was my biggest bully. Because someone only takes two or three seconds to tell you something negative. But then you need to understand what am I going to do? Am I going to let that echo in my mind and start believing that echo? Or am I going to say no? I'm not defined by how I look. I may not be good at this, but I'm excellent at maths. I can't do this, but I can still do that. Mm. Um, And so that's the battle in the mind that I feel like everyone goes through, whether you have arms and legs or not. Mm. Some of us are disabled with a crippling self-esteem. Wow, so true, brother. I think almost everybody uh, relates to that. In your
1: case, I think some people listening to you would think, well, there was justification for you having these insecurities because you do look different. Your circumstances were different. Um, I didn't know that you tried to commit suicide. That's the first time I've ever heard that before. Yeah. I've done a lot of reading about you. I did not okay. know that. Was there a moment after that where things began to... See, I think you, you hear people on shows all the time. It's like, well, that was a defining moment, and then nothing like that ever happens again <laughs> in my life, right? You know what I'm saying? But is totally. there, have there been return moments over your lifetime where maybe you didn't get to that extreme, but you go back to having dark thoughts or insecure thoughts? And, and, and even to this day, does that ever happen anymore?
0: Yeah, uh, look, as far as bullying is concerned, um, obviously I have a self-esteem knowing the truth and holding on to the truth and seeing the track record of how a man without arms and legs can still live a life without limits. Mm-hmm. And not to say that everything is possible, but I'm living my possible. <laughs> I've, I've redefined impossible from what the world has said and what I thought I couldn't do, but now I'm living an awesome life. And I've got my ups and downs, Ed. We all have our ups Mm -hmm. and downs. There has been probably two or three crises since, Mm -hmm. but more in my adult age. Mm -hmm. um, When I first fell in love with someone and her father didn't give us the blessing, so she had a choice, T intersection, the family or me. Another time in 2011, entrepreneurs, you know, most of us, we lose the money at least once. That's for sure. So I lost my money first (laughs) in 2011. It was Mm. difficult. Um, And so those crises still come and go every, you know, season Mm. of life and cycles. But those challenges rebirth the revolution really for not just bettering who I am, but really achieving the goals and dreams that I really have, which is to reach the world better. Now I'm a husband, I'm a father of four trying to reach, I'm even inspired by people like you, Thank you. who are doing this as a nonprofit, mm-hmm. inspiring people. That's, that's what I want, I've, I live to inspire people. It's my purpose, it's my purpose given life. Yeah. And to do that from home, that's awesome, but to also make sure that no matter what comes out of my mouth, don't ever feel like this motivational attitude coach never has his down days. Right. Um, but there was a turning point that I did have it as a teenager getting out of that depression, um, it was actually losing something (laughs) that I wasn't thankful for. And it was the ability to walk for three weeks. Oh, I got to hear this. I played soccer, my favorite sport. um, And I was on the field and the ball came and I jumped up in the air. Stupid. I did this matrix, slow motion karate kick kick in the air. And I jump up and the ball hits my foot so hard, I sprained it okay staring at the ceiling for three weeks i'm like wait a second really i really got to be thankful for what i have instead of being angry for what i don't have
1: oh my god and
0: my parents always said be thankful they were refugees as children leaving former yugoslavia Mm -hmm. so they always said be thankful when i wanted something from the store they wouldn't give it to me they said make your own money and buy it so i'd vacuum the floor for two dollars a week i would figure it out But to really be thankful for what you have, you know that saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. gone. And then the other thing that really sealed my path of hope was my faith decision in believing that there is a God who loves me, that heaven is real, and that even when you don't get a miracle, you can still be a miracle. Mm. And then it all started to speak in Korea out of a janitor who worked at my high school. I was 17 years old. And I just got voted onto the student government body. And he said, you got voted on the government body. I said, yes. Yeah. He said, you're gonna be a speaker. He said, you're crazy. I said, what am I gonna speak about? He said, your story. I said, I don't have a story. He was the one who organized my first speech. Come on, come on. Yeah.
1: You guys, I just, just replay this for a minute. These are things I didn't know. And yeah. you know that we have a lot of mutual friends. I've done a lot of reading on you. A Couple things strike me. One, about you, that we have to take inventory of what we are grateful for, because it's so easily said but especially in, in your case to say that that was the, the catalyst for change for you. The other part of it is, we're gonna talk about the fact that you have this unbelievable anointing and that not only do you speak, but you evangelize as well. Um, but the fact that a janitor was the catalyst, someone whose career path was a janitor, becomes a catalyst to birth one of the great inspirational speakers of our time, of our time, everybody. You know, that ought to be making you think, what's the difference you could make in another person's life? Because there's the Nick story, But then there's this person that was the janitor at the school who will remain nameless, who has made a massive, that person's responsible for 50, 60, 70 million human beings hearing from you through all these different avenues of social media and speaking. So you can make a difference regardless of your place in the world. That is a remarkable story. Now, speaking of that, you and I have talked a lot about this attitude concept and adversity. And even right now. Economically, the world may be changing right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have this fundamental belief that sometimes you're supposed to go into times of adversity because the pain of that change causes you to do things that you should have been doing all along, anyways. But if the adversity didn't present itself, you wouldn't make those adjustments or those changes. What's your philosophy about, you know, kind of attitude and adversity? Because obviously, you've dealt with your share of adversity in your life since birth. Yep. So what are your attitudes and what, how do you view that?
0: Unfortunately, I think we get into a rhythm of what we've always known for the last, let's say, three years. We're in this three-year mindset mode that what's been working is good. Me now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, a father and I, I don't want to travel as much. I actually have done 3,500 speeches in 74 countries so far. Um, I've traveled more than the average person and I love what I do. I want to inspire people. But I've always told my wife, I need to start something different. Mm. I need to do things different. Go coaching, do podcasts, do whatever we need to do mm. to stay closer to home. Um, this year, mm. it, uh, it, it's not that because Nick was proactive and he had a spare 100K to, to you know, <laughs> reposition, <laughs> right? Because he takes but, money, it doesn't yeah. take time. He yeah. takes risk and then coaching. Mm. I didn't know mm. many people Uh, and all personally, Mm -hmm. um, who's had a successful podcast and everyone's saying you're gonna do this. But unfortunately, the faucets have turned off in Mm. the speaking industry and I've been majorly affected. Mm. And so internationally, especially. So we're like, okay, I wish I did this because I knew I should have done it, but it was too comfortable. Gotcha. Um, And me being, uh, in my own mind, a CEO of a lack of proactivity Mm. Um, I did a disservice to me. I did a disservice to my family. And you know what? You know Lewis Howes. Yes. He said, without me telling him about a, he didn't know that I was going through a crisis. And he mm. said, you not even having a podcast, can you think of it as a disservice to everyone out That's there? Exactly right. It's like, you don't know the story much of, of all the other major points because people only see me on stage or in my book. If you Don't see him on stage, you don't see the book, you don't know my story. Yeah, Nick. People need to hear from you, and so they do. We, we need to get sometimes to this bottleneck that forces open a revolution that will now help me actually achieve the dream that I wanted. Isn't that amazing how that works? It's so funny because you know, people say, Hey, these
1: entrepreneurs, Ed, you must be this incredible visionary, like you have <laughs> these visions for all these things you want. I certainly had dreams sure. and some visions. But I think the ones who actually arrive at the dream are the ones who respond in the times of adversity and make the course corrections and adjustments. I don't take failure as a personal failing. I take failure as a failing of strategy. Mm-hmm. And too many people take a failure where they, don't, they miss a sale or their income drops or they have a bankruptcy or a relationship, that it's a failure of them as a human being. Right. I have a God who loves me, who made me His image and likeness. I don't take these failures as if I'm a failure personally. My strategy is flawed, my behavior could even be flawed, but my behavior and my strategies don't mean that I can't win, that I can't be somebody. So I just want to totally, you know, second what you've said there. I completely believe that. And by the way, everyone, so you know, you can have Nick come speak to your organization or to your group. He'll also do webinars with them as well, so he could stay home and make that impact for you. And the podcast is coming here right where the release of this show is coming out as well, too. So these are other ways that you'll get access to him. And at the end of the show, we're going to tell you where to find him. I want to go back for a minute, because you said something that you sort of accepted, kind of uh, faith in God in your life Mm -hmm. at that time of Mm -hmm. adversity as well. Mm -hmm. And I just want to ask you directly, I know the answers, but I want them to hear this. In your life, for all the things you've achieved, all the lives you've impacted, the things you've had to overcome... How important has been your faith and your belief in God in your life?
0: To me, it's the most crucial part. And even though when I go on tour and the organizers say, now you can't mention religion, you can't mention politics. And I understand that we 've had hundreds of clients who are satisfied every time I get off stage, and people then Google me and then find out the nonprofit side life without limbs and so we have people who monthly support us who believe in that mission field to know that believing in heaven and having forgiveness and peace with your creator God is the most important thing. Money comes and goes, and so we've actually felt that we need to go and make an influence into education systems with our social-emotional learning curriculum called Attitude is Altitude, um, and anti-bullying for kids, and then corporate America, the worldwide corporate audience, Nick, motivate us, help us to redefine impossible. How did you get through what you did? How do we live also a life without limits? Mm -hmm. And then people Google me and then find out my other story, which is the more spiritual side, not that I'm bait and switch, it's like, hey. These are the principles, these are the values, but yes, Ed, my most important thing in my life is knowing that when my dad gets diagnosed with cancer in 2017, um, and, and to know, uh, sorry, he actually got diagnosed in 2015, died in 2017, mm-hmm. knowing that heaven is real. Um, I nearly died in 2016, and my first earthly goal was to pay off my house. At 37, paid off a house that we bought lower 27, just about to sell now at high market, and not many 37-year-olds can say that. Mm. Um, and so, with you. thank you. And with all of that, though, big house, small house, house, no house, mm. the soul. Mm. And so that's how important it is to me. But this is the amazing thing. It's, it's understanding that when you do go through change, to believe something you don't see, to not panic. When an entrepreneur and a visionary like us, you and me, mm. are going through something and then we're, we're stopped in our tracks. One of the biggest debilitating mental things is numbness. Hmm. And then numbness goes to like from shock to then wait a second, maybe it's also panic after that. It's like, what just happened? Wait a second, this is bigger than me. Hmm. And it takes time to then get counsel when you go through change and adversity, get advice from people where you wanna go, get coaching from them, Figure out that new planet of podcast, Nick. Yeah. Figure it out, learn. And like you said, many of us, though, never recuperate it because that pressure of failing and the pressure of never having that success that I did have, the way that I term it is an attitude shift that failure is my classroom and it's part of the journey Ooh. and evolving to your full potential. Failure is my classroom. I love Failure that. Failure is my classroom.
1: I love that. You know, I was stepping. I'm just watching you speak, and uh, it's interesting. I I told you about Nick, my friend, who uh, also essentially is without his limbs, and um, it's. I it just struck me. I just wanted to tell you, it's amazing when you're in the presence of somebody. Um, I I forget, I forget. I I just I, I, I forget. Like I, I when I was interviewing Nick, I told him the same exact thing, and it, I think that. The reason I say that on the show to you is that we're all very aware of what we lack. We're all very aware. You, may, you take the average human being and you say, make a list of 10 things you're great at. or Take them, you know, at three days. You say, make a list of 100 things you're not good at. They can do it in two minutes. Yeah. So we're all very cognizant and aware of the things we lack And I just want you all to know that the things that are remarkable about you when you're in the presence of other people dwarfs the things about you that you're not great at. They don't see them. You think they see them, but they don't. And so it's interesting. I don't see you that way. I don't see Nick that way. Um, I see this greatness in front of me. I see this man who's an expert at redefining impossible, which I want to talk about next. You're the epitome of it, brother. Um, a, A little boy, this beautiful, precious boy is born and the doctor says to your father, I'm sorry we didn't tell you so you could abort him, and that very little boy, whose mother even at first wasn't sure about holding him or touching that little boy goes to change millions and millions of lives. That's the definition, dude, of redefining impossible, <laughs> right? Like you've redefined, no one that day who says, I'm sorry you didn't abort this baby, that doctor's not thinking. Yeah, 74 countries, millions of people, thousands of lives and souls changed. No one would think that, right? So talk about that concept with you, about rising above and redefining that. I love the way you talk about this.
0: Look, I'm not gonna say her name, but um, I'm not the only one with the story, right? Mm -hmm. We've got a history. What I've learned is I'm not the only one going through something and I'm never telling anyone that I'm going through something worse than anybody. I tell teenagers all the time, I believe it's worse being in a broken home than having no arms and legs. And so someone who's gone through a broken home, I can't encourage them as much as someone who has come on the other side and say, I know how that feels, Mm. me like a limbless boy. That's the beautiful thing. I've met another limbless boy, I've met 30 people. Mm. Now he knows that if Uncle Nick can do it, then I can do it. Mm. And so in that story, uh, there is someone local here actually who lives close to here, I won't mention her name. I'm about to see her tomorrow to be with her two boys. She has two boys from two different fathers, because those fathers died at age 39, within five years of each other. One of cancer, one in a car crash. And so I'm just about to spend some, her boys are going in the pool with my boys tomorrow. Wonderful. And for me, when I looked at her at her second husband's funeral, and I was able to speak at his memorial service, he was a dear friend of mine at 39, just now, only a couple months ago. I'm sorry. He, um, uh, uh, she said to me, If I went through this just to help one other widow. Hmm. And it's that understanding that it's not, man, another punch, I need to get up. It's understanding, okay, wait a second. It's not a like chance or coincidence that I'm watching a podcast with Ed and Nick and I feel my life is impossible. I'm depressed. I'm isolated. I haven't told someone what my dad did to me and I haven't even forgiven him. I haven't forgiven myself of the things I've done wrong. They're still trapped in maybe the, the failure or my success. My business is successful, Nick and Ed, but I still haven't got something and more of what I love. I haven't found that. And that's the purpose that we all need to find and say, look, when I don't get a miracle, it doesn't mean I can't be a miracle for someone else. (laughs) And so millions of dollars, or me helping little Daniel help him, Mm. when he was getting bullied at school, I went in my wheelchair and I ran them all over. No, I didn't. I went there and I did a quick 15 minute speech about bullying, right? Um, And and now, uh, not only did he go through the rest of his elementary and middle school, unbullied because now he accepts himself. People stop teasing him and they stop teasing everyone else. I'm like, hey guys, we're all valuable. We all have a purpose. We all have story and we can all make the world a better place. Mm. Money, drugs, sex, alcohol, pornography, fame and fortune. If you put your happiness in temporary things, your happiness will be temporary. And so when you come back to the understanding that even the challenge is something that we shouldn't just say, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to walk away from it. I'm gonna never address that. I'm never gonna. No, the sooner you address the things, even me, Ed, the speaker who's travelled around the world. It took me 10 years to forgive the family who didn't think that I was good enough for their family, for for, for her. Um, and now I have an amazing wife. Uh, she's half Japanese, half Mexican. We call that Japsican. Um <laughs> We've got four children, seven, four, and twin girls at two. And I just want people to know, it. it's, not, it's not that I'm a speaker to say, everything is possible. Just do it. Mm-hmm. No. Take one day at a time. Be thankful. Do your best. Reframe the attitude for you on a daily basis. Don't be debilitated by panic. Mm. See what you know. Learn what you don't know. And take a step forward. So good, brother. Going back to the janitor at your school, I keep thinking of him, isn't that interesting? He's beautiful and I've met, I just met up with him after all those years. I went to his humble home, his name is Arnold. I have talked about him publicly and in my book. And uh, he was the catalyst and then after him, I just did speeches at schools. Um, Were you good at first? No, I, I was terrible. I would actually never watch me Speak if I recorded it because uh, I'm mm. so. How would you say the biggest critic? Yeah, me too. And, I, but still I am that way. And I was right. bad though. Yeah. I wasn't good after the. But I didn't want to listen to a motivational speaker because what I knew straight up, if I listen to other people's content, then I'm not authentic. Mm. And I needed to buckle down, make my own content. And after I did my first three or four hundred speeches all across Brisbane, Australia. Um, We then got me a coach, my teacher aide's husband was a coach and he sewed into me 10 hours. And even when my parents said, you're crazy, you'll never make money speaking. Do a double degree in accounting and financial planning and I did. My father gave me wonderful wisdom, Ed. He said, start an accounting firm, go into stock market, go into real estate and get employees to be your hands and feet. I was six years old when he said, you need to become a millionaire to survive. No one knows that my nonprofit doesn't even pay for my caregivers and I have a family to feed. Mm -hmm. And so he told me entrepreneurially, you need to make it happen, do your best. Went into the stock market at 16, went into real estate at 19. He taught me, Just go for it, but they never thought that I'd ever be a speaker. That's crazy.
1: Crazy. That's crazy. So that was my next question, by the way, is involving entrepreneurship. That's something that uh, can be missed with you. You're a serial entrepreneur. You're a great entrepreneur. Off camera, all we were talking about was entrepreneurial (laughs) ideas and the power of that. And so many people, get the type of advice. I I don't, I think my parents, I could sense, my parents didn't tell me you weren't going to make it as an entrepreneur. My dad now tells me I didn't think you were going to make it. They were (laughs) so worried. I remember I loaded up a U-Haul and I was driving away to go to my first entrepreneurial venture. And my dad tells me as I was driving away, he was telling my mother, God bless him. He'll be back soon. Why is he doing this? And so I think a lot of people sense this um, lack of support from family, lack of belief, maybe even lack of belief in themselves. Mm. What are your attitudes about that? Do you think most people should be pursuing entrepreneurship, a side hustle of something, some type, uh, or a, a nonprofit of their own? What are your thoughts about that just to... Enrich their own life. How do you feel about that?
0: So you talk about it all the time first of all Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Sometimes you're an in entrepreneurship nine to five every day I'm just gonna be the best person I can be at what I have. That's fantastic If though there is a dream to then do a side hustle going to real estate do this do that I would say go for it as long as the first of all your priorities are right and so what are those priorities? So for me, right, I actually achieved my goal and dream when my dad was dying of cancer. When I nearly died 2016. Why did you almost die? I had a negligent surgery go wrong in California after a benign tumor was removed. Okay, wow. Uh, Didn't sue him, we just move on. Mm. Um, Money's money, doesn't matter. So then 2016, I nearly died. 2017, my dad died and I had four children Then at the time. I actually wanted to get to a week where we got the bread and butter, we're doing the nonprofit. I want to switch off my phone Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I did it. Oof. I did it. I had 17 staff at the time and I did it for six months straight. Mm. And I was doing the status quo but not enough oxygen or reserve in case some contracts cancel mm. for cash flow on a rainy day. Mm. So for me, it's, First of all, you got to be true to yourself with what's most important to you. For me, faith, family, friends. Mm. If you're not really conversing, if you're not really connecting, I think us human beings were created to connect. Life is never better alone. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking about married or not married. I'm talking about connecting with human beings, number one. Number two, going after your biggest dreams. My dreams of being married and having kids done. But really now when you have a wife, as a, I'm looking, okay, I'm like, okay, what's my next venture? Mm-hmm. I want her to bless the idea. And when you have a spouse who loves you, who respects you because you love and respect them, there's a margin that you make from week to week or month to month saying, look, I'm gonna try and hustle. I'm getting ready for a 15 hour day stretch. Yeah. That I'm gonna do nine to five. I'm not going to be able to do this and this and this as much, but I'm going to do this because I feel like this is what I need to do. Mm. If that is in unison for your family, you run for that. And for as long as your thoroughbred heart beats for that, you keep on knocking. Mm. But there are triggers. Triggers of success, triggers of wait, pause, triggers of failure. At the trigger of failure, do you then go to an editor and say, what do you think I should do? No, your heart first will say eventually, Let's wait. Let's delay it. You know how timing is important. Yeah. Not just the outside, the inside. Mm. I can tell you right now, if Nick Vujic had started a podcast five years ago,
1: eh, no.
0: Now. Now is the time. Oh my gosh, now is the time. Mm. So understanding and embracing that, that the timing and a closed door doesn't mean it's not going to open again. Mm. But really your spirit and your connection um, if you're not married, then all, all you have to worry about is you, yourself, and you. <laughs> and then say, okay, I don't have other mouths to feed. This is how much risk I'm ready to take. This is the attitude of the time I'm going to give myself. But hustle. Go for it. No one's going to make it happen except for you. You,
1: my friend, have become a gigantic success in your life. In the things that I think matter, which is where you've measured it as well but you have been a success as a family man. You've been success in your faith and also serving God. You've been a success financially. You've made a lot of money. You've traveled the world, you've influenced people. Mm -hmm. What has made you successful? You're not successful because you lack limbs, right? That's not why you're (laughs) successful. But isn't it interesting? Like, I want to peel back. Right, So right. when Marshall Falk, the NFL Hall of Famer, sat next to me, or Robert O'Neill killed Osama Bin Laden, or Stephanie McMahon who runs the WWE, or whoever I've had on the show that's maxing, maxing out certain areas of their life, okay, you're no different than them in your way. With, with the, the humility that I know you're going to answer it with, <laughs> if we're being real, are you just like a psycho competitor? Is it your work ethic? It is it your ingenuity? Is it your anointing? Like, what is it? That's made you max out so many different areas of your life. And I know that you feel like you haven't done it all the way that you want to, which we'll talk
0: about next. But what is it about you? What's the special? I think the key attitude is being present and being honest. And when you're a humble person who can humbly say you're a humble person, that you have no greed, ego, need to prove nothing to nobody, and you honestly look at yourself and say, okay, this is who I am, this is what I have. No point in wishing this, wishing that. This is what I'm gonna do mm. to my best ability. I actually feel like I have a unique edge on any other person only because, again, of the struggle. Mm. The struggle we're in before anybody leaves the room, so I became a, almost like an operator at age seven or eight, timing everyone, reading body language before someone moves, moves, moves out of the room, please, can you get me a glass of water, put a straw, and me remembering, wait a second, how do I do this? How do I? So I've been forced to figure it out mm-hmm. and not to depend on someone else or something else. How can I figure it out and see approach it from different angles? So when you have an attitude that approaches adversity, that is quite resilient. Mm. A resilient approach to adversity helps you to look at something and say, okay, these are the first three reasons why it seems extremely difficult. Mm. And the average person is going to say, okay, I have good enough reason not to... No. Einstein said, genius is when you're obsessed with impossible. And when you look at impossible, that's when you become fearless. And when you're fearless and you have the attitude and approach of any adversity, it doesn't mean you don't at least get a flavor on the tip of your tongue of panic or numbness in your mind. You go through, everyone's human. But quickly, you say, wait a second, what about four, five, six? What if I did this? What if I did that? And so in the physical, when I needed something from the bookshelf and I told my mom, I can't get it. Can you get me? And she said, get it yourself. Yeah, It was the best thing. Mm-hmm. When I thought, why not just have that given this way? She gave me a task. And when I did that in that mind, I would say reframing adversity. It's not a bad thing. It's not a barrier. It's a challenge. Mm. And people see me as strong. Anybody who's gone through adversity is strong. Why? Because you know what they've been through. Yeah. If I am stronger because of what I've been through, you, if you will, more embrace the challenge today. Being present, mm. honest, and giving yourself a shot. Sometimes we are the ones, Ed, that never gives ourselves a shot. I totally agree with you. I'm going to tell you one thing about you, too. So clearly, I
1: thought you might say part of that, which was that, hey, listen, You know, I didn't get things off the shelf. I had to learn to do things that weren't easy for me to do because of the lack of my limbs and other different things. I thought that you would say that. I'm gonna tell you something about you that maybe someone hasn't said to you that I want to say, that I I wanna acknowledge about you. You have a tremendous amount of personal presence and influence. It's why you're great on stage, it's why you're incredible one on one, it's why you're a great entrepreneur. And I find people with personal presence isn't their size Mm -hmm. or their deep voice or anything like that personal presence are people who have grown to become very comfortable with themselves and people who are very comfortable with themselves can be into you when they're communicating with you yeah. they can make it about you yeah. because they're comfortable when you're uncomfortable with yourself when you don't love yourself when you don't embrace yourself your entire time is spent trying to create a version of you to people we are not present with them you have that and it's And I think the hidden blessing of your life is because of some of the deficiencies at birth growing up. You had to work harder than the average person on loving you and embracing what you did have. Ironically, it's what has made you such a person of influence. Because I sit next to everybody in these interviews. And I know when someone's talking to me, when they live it, there are people who say inspiring things and then there are inspiring people. Those are two different things. You're an inspiring person. And your inspiration is because of who you actually are. So I just want to tell you that's one thing about you that strikes me right when we met up until this moment is your presence as a
0: man. And I believe that's because you're so comfortable with yourself. Can I can I dovetail on that? Please. Because there are so many people who, who want to be successful, who want to be entrepreneurs, who get all the mechanics of if you're a realtor, if you're this, if you're that, this is body language, eye contact, da-da-da. all the mechanics, all the science. It wasn't hard for me to work on that. What you just said, no one else has brought up. You're the first one. Mm. And here is why. It's because when people judge me for how I looked, and they wouldn't even look me in the eye to see my soul. Mm. And when you know that I could tease someone else because of how they look, but I don't want to judge them, I want to look them in their eyes, appreciate them for who they are. And instead of being, you know, ba ba I can't, you know, be involved in a sports activity, it's an elimination dodgeball thing or something like that, I had to sit out sometimes. I'm waiting for the first person who feels like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst kid at school today because I'm known today as the one who was first eliminated And I look at them, hey, good job. Better luck next time. And we start talking Mm. because I knew how much talking and opening up to someone helped me. Mm. I know how people judged me and then how I in turn judge myself. So I tried to unchain people's own personal judgment, which again is just an attitude shift.
1: Gosh, brother, that's awesome. That That is awesome,
0: man. So I've read Life Without Limits
1: twice. I read it when it originally came out, and then I read it again here recently. Awesome. And there's these things you list in there, having a powerful sense of purpose, um, hope so strong that it cannot be diminished, faith in God and the infinite possibilities, and then the love and self-acceptance. And there's other parts of the book as well. I want them to read the book to get it. So the, it's an incredible piece of advice that's in that book. But the last thing I want to ask you is there's millions of people that are hearing this and watching this who come to the show today not feeling great about their lives, mm-hmm. themselves, what they've achieved, where they're going. They may not even feel like their future is very bright. Right. And they look at you and all you've achieved and all you continue to achieve. If there was just a sliver of a word you could give them, if they ran into you at a Starbucks somewhere yep. and said, hey, you've really made a difference in my life, but truthfully, I feel this way right now. What would be your
0: message to those people that are listening or watching? I just want you to know that when you go through adversity, I want you to know to hold on I want you to know, despite what you see, despite what you feel, despite what you know, you're here for a good reason. And it doesn't mean that all of life is good, but you're here through a good purpose. And you're like, well, wait a second. How could anything good come out of my life? Nick, I got this. I got that. Well, first of all, I'm not comparing my pain to you, but I have no arms and legs. And I had a choice to either be thankful for what I had do my best and take one day at a time or give up and the smile that you see is real the strength that you see in my eyes is real and not because i'm selling you anything because i love you and i believe in you don't give up keep going if you need counseling go get counseling maybe one of the things that you need to do to get out of a depression is also maybe going to help someone else in need that maybe cannot even thank you for that, and that then instigate purpose, because to get out of depression or a funk that we're in, the one thing that I'm gonna leave you with is when you actually take the focus of what you're going through, not because you don't love yourself and not because of what you're going through is bad, but when you step out of that and say, okay, how can I go and help someone else, feed a homeless person, be part of a nonprofit and serve over the weekend, when someone looks at you who is in need and you help them fulfill that need subconsciously and consciously, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, it is an affirmation of little steps to build back your self confidence to get ready to say, I can do this. I am someone. So, despite what you see, feel, and know, you can have forward thinking with a shift of attitude and action. Amen. That was so good, brother. Okay. So good.
1: How (laughs) how do they get more of you? Before we leave today, how do they get more of you? Where do you want them to
0: go? I would love for everyone to go to nickvojic.com. You can book me as a speaker. Join us on our uh, newsletter and then the podcast. Uh, that is up and running right now. We're so excited. Hey. Um, I don't know exactly what all my listeners want. Hey. Um, and we're going to figure out more and more of that path. And I'm going to get some coaching from you I'm as well. Absolutely. Here but I'm ready to help people from weekly basis, multiple episodes, just to help people. Even some humor. I yeah. feel like we need some hum- humor. We do. In this and, time. Right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and, but just coming alongside of people and saying, Nick, your, your attitude keys I, I need them to reach my full potential so We're looking for speaking engagements, webinar opportunities, here in America especially. Um, And just find me on nickvoitiers.com and social media. We have about 12 million social media fans. Is that all? That's a ton. That's awesome (laughs)
1: brother, congratulations. (laughs) So find him, especially on Instagram, everybody fist bump. That was awesome. Love you. Love you brother. Thank you for what you do. Today was remarkable. Hey everybody, I know you're probably following me if you're listening to this, but I want you to engage with me too. I bring you the best guests in the world just like this man to my left here today, Nick. And every day I run a little drill on Instagram called the Max Out Two Minute Drill. I do it to engage with you. I reply to more comments and I look at more DMs than anybody I think on social media. And I do it because I wanna learn who you want sitting next to me, what content I can create, how I can serve you. Here's how it works. When I make a post every day on Instagram, turn your notifications on because within the first two minutes, if you make a comment, you're enrolled to win. That's the first way you're enrolled the second way you're enrolled is if you comment on other people's comments that increases your chances because i want you engaging with each other and third if you miss the first two minutes i only make five posts a week seven thirty pacific time ten thirty eastern just make a comment on every post at the end of the week we take all the people who commented on every post we pick a winner from that group as well you can win flights on my jet you can win tickets to come see me speak coaching calls with me and my guests max out gear all kinds of really cool stuff just so that we can connect. So please participate. I hope you enjoyed today's program. Share it with everybody. Everybody needs to hear this message today from Nick and I. God bless you and Max
0: out. This is the Ed Show.